The more you lie, the more you're desensitized to lying and less activation of your amygdala, of course. We don't like to think of ourselves as liars, of course, but uh, so we justify our lies, right? So they don't actually register as lies because we're justifying that. And the next thing you know, uh, you're believing your own lies and you're living that life. And we see it constantly. So honesty always begins internally, then it moves its way outward to the external world. Honesty is also vital for growth because without honesty, honesty you'll, you'll never truly grow. When we're dishonest, we literally put blinders on and only see what we want to see. Honesty is expressed not only with what you say, but with your actions as well. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. So the question today is, what is your purpose? In other words, who are you? And do people know who you are, not what you do? Today's guest was amazing. Stephen and I got into it. Our biggest issue was trying to end the show uh, within a reasonable time as we started to discuss some very, very important concepts that society is dealing with. And that is many times we're so worried about what other people think and the external components in screaming and yelling and social media and on and on it goes. It's just amazing episode. So I can't speak uh, highly enough about it and how Stephen was very poignant with some great advice and sage advice for us to kind of go to the next level. On that point, you know, one of the things we talked about was is that can you be authentic and real and what is your purpose? Now, my purpose or CRG's purpose is to help others to live, lead and work on purpose. In our whole goal with our tools and resources, is for you to realize your potential, for you get to get to really facilitate a process to help you to get to know yourself. And so my encouragement is we have a couple of online courses and there'll be more by time this comes out. And that is for sure, we have one of our courses is what do you really value? And it helps you to clarify what are your core behavioral values? And through that course, then we take you through exercises. Are you living them? First of all, what are they? Are you living them? And if you are or you're not, then what does that mean? In other words, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis to have those values feel fulfilled so that I can feel alive? There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no in-between, it just is. And so once you know that, and so I just encourage you, it was, it's the most one of the most transformational tools I took nearly 30 years ago when I first got exposed to CRG. Now, as always, if you like what we're doing, please uh, share, pass it on, let other people know about it, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're leaning on. And hey, listen, listener feedback is welcome. Post a comment, send an email. Uh, Maybe you know somebody who could be a great guest as well. So thank you as always for listening. So here's our guest, Stephen Kuhn. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we like to have a guest that helps you to go to the next level. Somebody that helps with you with your potential. And today is no exception. We actually got to know each other in the online world because of his new book that he is releasing called Unleash Your Humble Alpha. Welcome to the show, Stephen Kuhn. Stephen? Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And you come all the way from my homeland, from Hungary. I mean, you <laughs> joked about it. Where all, all four of my grandparents were born in Hungary, immigrated to Canada, and here you are, you're living there. Yeah, I'm, I'm American, immigrated to Hungary. <laughs> 
Well, that's what happened when you um, meet those really sharp Hungarian women and then you marry one of them. That's exactly what happened, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into that as we uh, progress, Stephen. So, Stephen, when we think about you know, your work, we'll come to that in a bit, but you were involved as a uh, decorated Army combat uh, veteran now. Uh, but let's just kind of go your journey. Where did you, you're in Hungary now, but where did you uh, grow up or where were you born and what was sort of home life like when you were a kid? Well, you know, you know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, um, which is, we call it Pennsylvania because it's very rural and very sort of uh, hillbilly-ish, if you will. And uh, I grew up, you know, in small high school, small, you know, small schools and stuff. Um, I was held back in third grade. I had a twin brother, sort of did it. Did oh, hang it, on, you, you just skipped. You skipped that. You skipped over that. You were held back in third grade. Yes. So what was the issue? What was going on? Uh, you know, my mother was married for the second time or third time, I think. And uh, he, he had a choice. Uh, the, the teacher said, because I, I wouldn't wear my glasses because I was embarrassed. They, had, they were bifocals. And um, I couldn't see the board, so I, just, I basically failed the classes. And, uh, but they knew I was smart enough. And they just saw that I wasn't trying because I didn't want to wear my glasses. And then they asked my, my stepfather... You know, and my mother, you can either hold him back or let him go forward and see what he does. And they, he said to hold him back, and which uh, wouldn't have been so bad, but I have a twin brother. And, of course, then I was, I was a dumb one from now on out because he was always a great ahead of me. Like, how can you be twins if he's a great ahead of you? So that sort of um, stamped me for a little bit you know, growing up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to having a stepfather that – did you have sort of any bitterness over that? At that yeah, time. I, you know, plus the abuse and the beatings and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he was he was a real gem. <laughs> oh man, well, it's good to have just a winner like that. So yeah. how did you now? What age were you when you were held back? I was in third grade, whatever age that is. I don't even know. I guess mm -hmm. eight, something like that. Mm -hmm. and right. maybe. Uh, yeah. So then, how did you make it through that, or what happened subsequently as you moved into high school? Uh, you know, well, everybody knew me because of my brother. We were sort of, you know, we're the big guys. We were already six foot something. And, you know, by the time we got to high school and I played football or I tried anyway, I had no self belief or, you know, sort of self pride or whatever. So I was, wasn't very good at what I did, but I was big enough that it's got in people's way. Mm. So, so, um, it, you know, it affected me big time because I, I always saw myself as the dumb one because everyone told me that. So I, that's, you know, why I wanted to join the military as soon as possible. And I did actually, because I knew the only way I was going to grow out of that was to leave and make it on my own. Because as long as I'm in a, in a situation where people are telling me one thing, it's really hard to, you know, it's sort of like when you're, um, you're one of the guys at work or one of the girls at work and you get promoted to be, you know, the manager. And suddenly people are like, ah, what are you acting like this for? Now? You're not the manager. You're just one of us. You know, that kind of thing. So I, I knew that trying to fight that sort of stigma, the only way to do that was to leave. People told me who I was. Now, Steve, what drew you to the military as a solution to this? I mean, there's lots of choices, lots of options, leave home, yeah. go somewhere, do something else. But well, where did the military sort of make the, the list? Uh, structure, the chance to be a hero, uh, the, the way to push myself to the very edge of my capabilities and more. Uh, and I wanted a family, you know, I wanted a family of friends, I guess you could say. Mm. And that's exactly what I got, all of those things. So how old were you when you joined the military? I was 18 when I joined, 19 when I left. Oh, so just one year. 
Well, no, no, no. I, I joined when I was 18. I was still in school because I had failed third grade. And I went, as soon as I left school, 10 days after I graduation, I was 19. And I left immediately for the Army, 10 days after high school graduation. Okay. There we go. So then how long were you in the force? Almost eight, almost eight years. The whole time I was stationed in Europe. So I was in Germany, a couple different cities. And then I went to Iraq for the first Gulf War. And then I came back and decided to get out. And I did what they call a European out. I processed from the military in Germany and walked off base. So I didn't go back to the States to help process. I stayed in Europe. Mm. Now, uh, with the audience, and obviously you will cover some of this as we get into the elements of your book, um, what were some of the characteristics or traits that you learned while you were in the military that were beneficial for you? Oh, well, I think, you know, learning how to drive through what you think your limitations are was, was the biggest one. So being able to do things just because you think you can and not because you think you can't. Um, and I think also structure, discipline, uh, belief, self-belief, attitudes, uh, the, the, the brother-sister-like um, relationships that you build in the military are you know, undeniably the number one benefit. Um, and you strive to, to, to do the same in the outside world, which is in the civilian world, which is very difficult. But it sort of makes you stand out a little bit for everybody else once you're, once you're a veteran who actually embraced the structures and, you know, it, 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 really, it really is a benefit if you embrace it. Um, those who embrace it really have, in my opinion, an edge. Mm -hmm. So what, what are some of the things that stand out when you get out and then move into civilian life? Well, you know, I mean, I, I can just give you an example. I, so I was, uh, you know, I, I got out, I was a doorman, and then I was a, you know, a security guy at the airport and this kind of stuff. And I was always working as if it was the, you know, the most important job in the world. Because you learn to do whatever you do as good as you can do it and to solve problems and create solutions for everyone involved. And so when you do that, people look at you like, wow, this guy's like way overqualified for this. So they're always offering you new jobs. Within three years of getting out, I not only had my own three cocktail bars and a nightclub, but I was running a, um, a, a British PLC as the International Operations Development, Development uh, Director. Mm -hmm. And I uh, had like 3,500 people under me, uh, 87 locations. And that was with zero experience, only pure attitude. <laughs> so how do you get into writing, uh, running nightclubs from uh, being in the military? Well, I, I mentioned I started as a doorman, and I saw what they were doing, and I said, hey, you guys, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I can do this and do that. And then I decided to open my own cocktail bar, which I did. It was a super, super, it was a huge hit. So I opened two more, and I got into the club scene, you know, worked with some other guys in there. And I just, I, I just treated everybody who walked in the door um, as, you know, a super VIP, if you will. It didn't matter who it was. Mm. Uh, so everyone who came there felt very special, and they felt paid attention to. They felt recognized. Um, they felt at home. And that just, just spoke around and really, you know, got around. And from that, I got offered, geez, all kinds of positions, jobs, contracts, you know, you name it. I, because people want to feel good when they go somewhere. They want to leave somewhere in a better position than when they went. So, you know, psychologically, they want to be happier. Uh, you don't go to a nightclub to leave upset. You don't, you don't go out to dinner to, to leave in a worse, you know, worse mood than you, when you went. So that's one of my um, life principles is, is elevate others and, you know, add value wherever you can. Leave them in a better place um, than when you met them. Now, it's, um, I'm not sure if you have the answer, so I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, Steve, but... When we think about life and we think about businesses, why is it that 
many businesses don't do the basics of being even kind and nice to their clients where they're in fact even abusive and then wonder why their business is not doing well. Where, where do you think that comes from? Well, I, you know, I'm a turnaround specialist, so I take companies that aren't working well and aren't making revenue and aren't breaking their revenue or having issues. Um, uh, and often it comes down to that. And that's because they're so focused on making money, trying to make money, trying to manage the processes, manage the people, product sales, manufacturing, whatever it is, that the customer, the client, seems to be the one thing that they can't control, so they sort of ignore it, and, and it sort of upsets them in a way. Um, you know, we even had people that would delete entire, you know, complaint emails, like, you know, 50 complaint emails, just delete them. And she was our customer service uh, manager. Uh, and, you know, just ignored them. And, um, what you know, we, we, we don't need to talk about what happens then, but I, I think it's just overwhelm. You know, most people learn how to run a business, learn how to make money, P&L, and all the financials and stuff, but there's, I don't know of any college courses, or I got my MBA in the UK. I, I never had a course on customer service, how to treat people. Um, for me, it's natural, but for a lot of people, it's not. Now, uh, remind us, where were your um, your cocktail bar? Was it in Germany or was it in the UK? Yes, Berlin, Germany. Berlin, Berlin Germany. Germany. So did you learn German then while you were over there? I did indeed. I speak German like a German. I wrote a bestseller. I did TV. I was a news, news announcer. Uh, I did my last gig was the um, the election and the inauguration of, of Trump. I was I went to Germany and did the, did the TV for them. And uh, then when Soleimani a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when he was uh, assassinated, uh, I got calls to be a radio interview and things like that. So yeah, I speak German like a German. Pretty much, you know, my German, my, my heritage is part German as well. <laughs> so yeah, I enjoy the yeah, language. I think that last name kind of links to it a bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy the articulation capabilities in German. It's just you can really uh, dissect, uh, you know, a conversation down to its smallest detail. It's incredible. Mm. Well, you skipped over your, a lot of your life there, uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve, in a hurry. So you were doing sort of this nightclub and you're owning your own place. What happened after that? Oh, I got into the, um, into the corporate world, the TLC in the U.K., um, first it was a South African company, then it was the UK, and uh, I still had my bars almost for 10 years, and I got rid of those, and as I was, you know, moving up in the world, I, I, I just, I, I don't want to say it fell in my lap, but I was always driving forward, so I was always seeing opportunities, and I would just take them, so I never really built a career, I just did what I wanted to do, and the cool things, and if it was a challenge, the bigger the challenge, the more I wanted to do it, and at least amount of experience I had, the more I wanted to do it because I knew that it would be a new experience. And if I had a little bit of fear in me, if I could do it or not, then I really wanted to do it because I knew fear meant massive learning. Um, and I ended up um, going to a manufacturer from America. I brought them to uh, the United or to, to, to Germany and then to Europe, uh, Austria and Germany first. And then I went back to the old corporation as a freelancer, um, a contractor, and I just kept going now. I kept going back and forth to all these companies and fixing what they messed up after I left, basically. It sounds sort of arrogant, but I'm very, very, um, you know, structured in, my, in the way that I work. So when I, when I put procedures in place and reporting and, you know, and boards and whatever, whatever we use in the clubs and, in the, in the, wherever I was, um, they're there in order to make it easy for the staff to do their job. And what happens is a lot of managers, a lot of leaders, 
because their identity is a position and not a person, their identity, they tend to strip that all away and pull it on themselves so that they control everything. And what that does is it disrupts a fine-tuned machine that's literally, you know, you can't control each piston of an engine. You turn the key, that's all you do. The rest runs by itself. That's how a company can actually run. Um, but a lot of these uh, leaders, especially younger ones coming out of college or whatever, they, f they feel not only do they have to represent the position, but they have to pull it on themselves and control everything. And the big problem there is they lose their true identity. And then suddenly they're, you've heard, heard someone say before, you, you know who I am, I'm the CEO of whatever. And you're like, well, actually, that's what you are. Um, who are you really? And that always stumps them. I mean, I, I'd say 80% of all, 90% of all leaders have no idea who they are. And that's what our mm -hmm. book is all about. Well, when you think about it a lot of times, and, you know, that's true globally, you know, this yeah. podcast goes around the world, is that people's identity is linked to their title. So it's what they do versus who they are. So I, I get that. Um, yeah. Why do you think that is? You know, there's, you know, both of us do this work in this, this area of purpose, and you're really talking about your humble alpha, and we'll get into that in a minute. But um, uh, what do you think are some of the reasons that people are stuck on this um, title identity, I'll call it maybe well, a crisis or dilemma? Well, it's because, you know, we are taught and society shows us that accolades um, and perception come from the outside. So uh, if someone sees you as someone successful in a position, then you're a successful person. Um, so we, we chase these outside instruments, betterment, positions, titles, you know, uh, classes, courses, uh, degrees, whatever it is, we, we chase them in order to have something mm -hmm. on the out show. And that, that's okay for that level of, I guess, job or if you want to stay in that consciousness. Um, but if you really want to excel and be present and own your presence in life everywhere you go as the same person, uh, then you really want to, uh, you know, figure out who you are, what your true identity is. And there's a litmus test that you can use, and that is, if your wife or husband was a fly in the wall in your office, would they recognize you? And if you had um, a, an employee come to your home as a fly on the wall, would you be embarrassed what they saw? Because a lot of people are the boss in that position and title at work, and when they go home, they're not, and they feel inadequate, they feel upset. So what do they do? They go back to work and put more time in to be more successful to compensate for what's not integrated in their private life. And again, that's what we touch upon. Cool. So when uh, we think about all these things you were going back and forth, when did you really kind of get into your own firm and start helping people sort of independently versus being an employee for individuals? Well, I was, um, I guess, probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I started as a side gig. I would train the people that were in the company on my own, and then the company started paying me for it. Uh, because I just wanted them to excel. I really wanted to see these people excel in who they were. And the company started paying for it, and then I started training, you know, thousands of people. It was ridiculous. And I, but that was great because I get to hone my skills and hone my message. Um, and then three, almost three years ago, I, I stopped all consulting. I stopped all of that stuff, and now I do only, um, you know, the, it's still consulting, but it's more like coach consulting, how we help leaders find their true identity to increase they're, you know, the, in the end, it's, revenue. it's their own personal revenue. It's their relational capital. It's, uh, it's growing their life enterprise. We, you know, like to say that uh, life enterprise is like a business enterprise. We're all CEOs and we answer to the stakeholders. 
And, you know, as a CEO of a business enterprise, you, you better make damn sure you make the stakeholders happy. So the same thing is, is as a, in, in our life enterprise. It, we have to, you know, be there for those in our life. We have to make them happy. So, again, we invest in relational capital. We um, elevate them. We find solutions for them. And we leave them in a better place than when we met them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really, that really changes your life when you do that. And the top number one thing that I could say that really impacts anyone's life in a positive way is to have no expectations unless they're verbalized. So either you, you ex- explain your expectations or you have no expecta- expectations. And that one simple act, which is really difficult, of course, but that one simple act will change your life for the better because, number one, you don't ever have to worry about what anyone's thinking about. You know, because you, you have no expectations of what you're thinking. And, and number two, when you do have expectations, you can make them clear and verbally so there's no mistaking. So either you have what you want or it doesn't matter. Mm. Well, it was interesting uh, as a sidebar, w- there was a relationship expert online not that long ago I was listening to, and he said the number one reason that uh, there are divorces and separations is unmet expectations, but in many cases they're unstated as well. Yeah, of course. That's what happens that's, in all of our life, right? The reason you're yeah. frustrated with this other person is they didn't do what you thought they should do, which is in your mind. Right, exactly. And that's specifically um, detrimental when it comes to relationships. <laughs> uh, all kinds, of course. And yeah. then, you know, all yeah. of us, and I appreciate your comment, is that it's not easy. All of us have to work on that, myself yeah. included. You teach it, I teach it, but I think our wives would both say, sometimes it's not working as well as your teacher. Of course, of course. It's a constant, just like your identity, just like your purpose. Uh, it's a constant uh, adaptation. It's a constant adjustment, you know, improvise, improvise sometimes as well just to get through. I mean, it's it's not a static issue. So once you find your identity, you, you start crystallizing your purpose. Once you find your purpose, your identity is amplified through that purpose. And that purpose can be tied to your job, your personal life, your private life, your hobbies. Mm-hmm. Once that's the case, then you can let go of the how. So you detach from the how you're going to get somewhere because when you're operating for what I call the core principles of HIT, honesty, integrity, and transparency, honesty with yourself and why you do what you do, and the, the transparency is how you step into the world with that honesty and integrity as a byproduct, which, by the way, um, the basis for any healthy relationship on the planet is integrity. So and integrity is a byproduct something you can be, it's something that you become through your actions, and that's always changing. And integrity isn't just, you know, I'm the straight guy, I'm always right. Um, integrity is doing what you say you're going to do and not doing what you say you're not going to do, and, of course, if you do screw up, then own it. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. You know, people think, well, you can't be, you know, Mr. Integrity all the time. How can you be, be so perfect? It's not about being perfect. It's about realizing that everyone makes mistakes and owning them. Simple. Mm. So when you think about it, and you know, this is contrary to some of the leadership research out there, that one of the number one reasons for leadership's failing, this was Peter Carrera's research, was arrogance or hubris. So you're talking about humility, which is the opposite side. But there's this other side of integrity, yet I watch and I see, and you know, it's just, it almost makes me puke. And pardon for the language listeners, just the, the media, especially sort of in North America, for sure in the U.S., there doesn't seem to be any integrity whatsoever. Like, where is this coming from? We both know and we both teach that integrity is foundational. Yet I see the momentum in the public domain to be the opposite. How can you explain this? 
Well, again, it's all to the outside, right? It's all about what it looks like. It's what it, what they can talk about, you know, what, who, who they can give accolades to. You know, we've come to the society, and unfortunately, most of our society is like that. You know, if you're a star, you're somebody special. If you, you, you can say whatever you want, you're right. Um, and the same thing goes with politicians, that people like to bitch about them, but in the end, they, they do what they say or they listen to them. And it's, it's all because it's all on the outside. We're being pushed into this external because it's dangerous to know who you are. It's dangerous uh, to realize that you control your own destiny and you can create your own reality. That's dangerous to the outside world. So we're being pushed as much as possible to keep going on the outside and seeking those things uh, that, that make us bigger, better, stronger, you know, louder, whatever, brighter. Um, but they literally all they are is uh, skins you're putting on and covering up who you really are. And once, you, once you uncover who you really are, your true identity, I can tell you that your life changes because you don't mess with anything. That has to do that does not have to do with who you are, your identity, and your purpose. And once you do that, you can say no all the time. I mean, you know, being 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 successful has more to do with saying no than saying yes. I can tell you that right now. I think that's an important point that you're making, Stephen, for the listeners. Is, is that, and we make this statement in our purpose program: my ability to say no is equally or greater than my ability to say yes, which is what you just said. So, yeah. uh, with that, where did this whole idea of writing this book, Unleash the Humble Alpha, come from? It all started when, you know, I take a trip every year to Peru. Uh, we work with sacred plant medicine, ayahuasca and San Pedro. That's the feminine, the masculine energy, um, sacred plants. And I, I also have business leaders to join us down there. And one of these leaders came, and we ended up being best friends, and now we were in business together. And I was teaching him at the time, honesty, integrity, transparency which is where my nickname came from, The Hitman. <laughs> and um, they, uh, he, he said, man, this is awesome. We've got to write a book about this. So we started looking at um, how we could write about Hit. And Hit wasn't something I made up. It was the byproduct of my life up until then. So I decided with Lane Ballone, who's my partner and co-author, we said, well, let's look at our lives and see other things that we did and how we turned out and how we were successful. So we came up with five core um, sort of uh, models that we use. One of them is HIT. One of them is, I already mentioned, relational capital. The other one I, I mentioned was life enterprise. And then we have a creating space. Creating space is um, uh, going into a meeting, a speech, onto a podcast like this uh, with zero expectations, no preconceived notions, no cookie-cutter solutions, simply one intention because the only thing we control is our intention and not the outcome. Um, and your intention is value solve problems. And when you do that, you create a space around the people that you're with, like in the podcasts and things, and then we end up having solutions and answers and discussions that otherwise never would have happened if I had, and you had, a preconceived notion about how it's supposed to be. So there are some of the, and of course, the major one that we talk about is the name of our company, and that's quality of life. Every video I do, I do a video every day. I'm on episode 401. Um, and uh, at the end of every episode, every call, everything I do all the time, I always end it with, it's all about quality of life. So, you know, that, that's where the name of the company came from. And it's just a compilation of our life. So the book is really interesting because it tells a story about how we learned the model. So we tell the story. One was in Iraq with a little girl. One was in boot camp. You know, one was um, when I was uh, with the Royals. One was, you know, these different kind of things. And what happened to me and how I learned it or how he had something happen to him, how he learned it, what we learned out of it, what we made out of it so we could teach others not to make those mistakes and then how to do it. So each chapter has a story, 
how to, you know, what, what will be made out of it, what the steps are, and then, of course, action plan to go with it. So it's a really results-oriented book. So when you read this book and you implement what you see and you take those action steps, you're going to become what we like to call the humble alpha, and that is alpha on the inside and humble on the outside, owning your presence in life to become an epic leader that's already inside you. Mm. Appreciate all of those uh, comments, Steve. And, you know, let's okay. just, I just want to back up a little bit and, and delve in. You talked about five different sort of core models. So right. let's just spend a moment around HIT. And I think this yeah. is important because this is the area that we work in as well. Honesty, integrity, and transparency. Again, you know, life seems to be the opposite out there as far as can you trust anybody. Uh, transparency, oh, excuse me, to let you know who I really, really am. You know, do I even want to do it? Uh, I remember yeah. being at an invite-only event with Marshall Goldsmith, you know, one of the top executive coaches in the world, and he said, listen, if the client's not acting in integrity, and what he meant by that is if I asked him to do or her to do something and they didn't produce it by the next time we were meeting as a coach and that was consistently occurring, then we discontinued the relationship because your words right. aren't worth anything. So, so speak to honesty, integrity, and transparency in a more deep manner so that the listeners can embrace this, as you said, going through the other side. And one other comment before I go on, which kind of eluded me, and that was around this expectations. In Secrets of Success, maybe the, the listeners do or don't know, but I never do pre-scripted questions for the exact reason you just said. Right. Right. I, I, now, I have an idea, which I guess is intention, about where I want to go and just sort of the flow of it. But I have no idea what you're going to say to something, and then based on that, then will be a follow-up question. Right. You can't do I, that. I like, to say you have your, I like to say you have your toolbox ready, right? You have your toolbox with all your tools in it, and you're ready to go. You know, you're just not deploying them yet until you have to. I, I, that's all I would say. <laughs> Well, I was, well, the example is I was in an interview, Stephen, the other day, and she had all these pre-described questions that she was asking one after another. It was like I was an artificial intelligence robot. It was, yeah. it was, it was really quite terrible. And, and impersonal. Nice, personal too. Completely, and yeah. not really the flow. That's not how a natural conversation unflows. So, well, no, because that, they're looking at the next they're looking at the next question already while you're answering the, the first question. So there's, there's no reason. It's like you, you give this wonderful answer and they go, great. Next question is, you know, they just, <laughs> there's no reaction yeah, to it. There's no uh, flow. Not, not a powerful process for having an interview and, and really pulling out and having, what do you call it, transparency or integrity. So speak about honesty, integrity, and transparency in just a little bit more depth. Okay, sure. So again, honesty is being true to who you are and how you live. Transparency is communicating your honesty for anyone to observe, and integrity is a result of your ongoing reputation. And when you live by head, you have the clarity of who you are and exactly what you want in life, because you're not trying to please anyone. You're operating from these from, from head, meaning every step you take, every action you take, every forward movement that you have, it comes from the place of integrity, so it doesn't matter what other people think or what they think your, your true intentions are. You know what they are, so you don't have to, as opposed to, I want to do this to make money, or I want to do this to leverage this relationship so I can get that. When you start doing that, which everyone does, um, as long as you do it from a place of integrity, it's okay. But when you don't, then when people say, hey, you're just trying to trick me, you have no feet to stand on. Right? So that's why it's very important that you are very honest about what you do in life with yourself first, because we love to lie to ourselves. 
for me, one of the things that I noticed is that my life got very happy. So I got very happy in life. I'm always happy, and it seems like everyone's there to help me every step of the way. I, I hardly ever have to ask because I'm always adding value, elevating others, you know, um, helping others and stuff. And, of course, you attract others that live that way. So when you start attracting people that live that way, the dimensions of what, you're, what you see as possible in life explode. And I mean mm. business and life, everything in general. So it's, it's just an amazing um, – this, let's say authentic connections and you gain significance with yourself and of course true man, true happiness I, you, you turn scarcity into abundance and you know it's just it just feels like you're always able to give value in the very moment when someone needs it because you're not preconceived you're not trying to get anything you're operating from your place most people do things in life as a tit for tat I go to work I get paid right or I'm going to do this for you you do that for me so that's it's hard to give value to someone when you have expectation because you're 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 that they feel that energy they feel that push and pull. So you know, a lot of people they they follow trends they try to be someone else or act like someone else or they want to be someone through someone else and they're not living who they are like we said before they don't know who they are mm-hmm. and it allows you to cut through all the BS and drop all of the masks and just be who you truly are and of course we go deeper into that in the book as well but. You know, there's um, there's so many things. It, it, it goes really, really deep. I mean, basically, the, the the one reason why honesty is so important is because your brain is wired to either tell the truth or to lie. It's as simple as that. But our brains get wired like that by our actions. So if we tell the truth all the time, that's how our brain's wired, right? But if we lie all the time, I don't mean like big lies, like I didn't kill him. You know, mm-hmm. little lies, you know, just small little lies to yourself or to others. That is then how our brain is wired. And, but naturally, your body always wants to be honest, so your body is also adaptive if you continue to lie. So you're going to change not only your mind and those neurons, but it's going to change your body. So your body language is going to start showing it as well. The more you lie, the more you're desensitized. You're desensitized to lying and less activation of your amygdala, of course. We don't like to think of ourselves as liars, of course, but uh, so we justify our lies, right? So they don't actually register as lies because we're justifying them. And the next thing you know, uh, you're believing your own lies and you're living that life. And we see it constantly, you know, mm. we see it constantly. So honesty always begins internally, then it moves its way outward to the external world. Honesty is also vital for growth because without honesty, honesty, you, you'll never truly grow. When we're dishonest, we literally put blinders on and only see what we want to see. You know, honesty is expressed not only with what you say, but with your actions as well. The need to be precise in language is very important, which is why I always have to slow down when I speak because I love um, using the language to articulate and sometimes I just get moving <laughs> so quick. So mm. it's also, it also motivates us to become the best version of ourselves for real, not pretending because by being honest with ourselves, we bring light to the bad and only then can we change it to become our best self. And, and let's face it, honesty is equal to reliability because you're always known to be honest. You have to explain yourself less, right? Makes sense. So, Absolutely. You know, we, so I, I want to stop you for a second, Stephen. And, and I think this is so, so important. And that's why I'm just sort of taking a breath at the moment on behalf of the listeners. Uh, how do I start, Stephen? How, how do I even know what my condition is? And what would be some of the first things that I potentially could do to, to go on this path of hit? And, and be yeah. successful outside of buying your book, which some I'm going to, <laughs> to do. Yeah, of course. Yet. Thanks for the plug. What, <laughs> what are a couple of the things? And by the way, the book is Unleash Your Humble Alpha, just a reminder. 
So what are a couple of steps that the listeners can just embrace as soon as the show's over to start living hit? And, you know, maybe they don't even know that they don't know that they don't know that they're yeah. like completely out of integrity. Well, it's like I said, we, we justify our lives. So the next thing you know, we believe it, and that's, that's who we are. That's our life. And it doesn't really even bother them anymore. But it bothers everybody else, and they just don't see it. And, that, and that's why things don't work on the outside. That's why they don't rise up. That's why they don't get promoted. That's why they're, they're just sort of not – they're on a plateau. These are all things that come from, you know, the, the lack of true integral relationships that grow your business and your life and your relationships. Steve, um, sorry, to you know, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but – would things like exaggeration fit into this honesty thing where I've met some people where they just, man, they just seem to exaggerate and it just doesn't seem to be congruent with what's really going on. Where does, does that fit into this category? Well, certainly. I mean, it's a, it's a lie, you know? So people say, well, it's not really a lie. I'm just exaggerating a little bit to make a point. Well, no, you're, you're the reason that people do this, the reason that people speak above and beyond of what they do is because they have a fear inside of self-worth, right? There's something that they don't like about themselves They've been told something or they've lived a certain way a long time and they want to change it, so they want to try to be something that they think makes them look better. And that comes, again, from the outside. So, again, you have to focus on the inside. How do you feel when you say that? So if you're an exaggerator, how do you feel when you exaggerate? Do you feel good? Of course you don't. So you need to stop that and simply start being who you are. And you're going to see, even though it's not sensational like it is when you exaggerate, people are going to be like, wow. An honest man. This person is honest, and they're transparent. I love this person, and that's what happens when you start facing your own reality. And like, what are you creating for yourself when you exaggerate? What are you creating for yourself when you lie? You're creating a house of cards that will tumble one day, sooner or later. And the problem with that again is that won't scare anybody because everybody's only thinking about the next three weeks anyway, or two weeks, or one week. And so we have to shift our mindset. You know, when I was working with the Royals and hanging out and friends and dating and all that kind of stuff, they thought in, in generations, you know. So when they do something, they're always thinking about their grandkids' grandkids, you know. And it just blew me away how they don't jump and take action. They'll look, they'll assess, they'll plan, and then they take action with, without the benefit of what we like to call immediate results, immediate gratification, right? And this is something that I really was blessed to learn from some very, very high up um, uh, people in the royal families. And it, I, I guess it carried over to me. And it, since I've embraced that and try to think um, generational, maybe not my grandkids' grandkids, but my, my children's children, mm. uh, it really changes the way you do things, number one. Number two, it changes if you do things or not. Because if it's instant gratification and it has no future, it's a waste of time. I don't care how much money I make. It's a waste of time if it's not building upon the foundation of what I'm building, uh, what people would call legacy, I guess, but I'm not doing it for legacy. Legacy is something you're going to be rem remembered by. Um, legacy is something that, you're, that people simply acquire, usually acquired wealth or you've built something or something. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about my children having a life that I didn't have. I'm not worried about it. I'm working on it, right? It's a life life that I want to have. So when it comes to that, when it comes to transparency, that's just how that's how you communicate your honesty. Let me put it this way. So if you want to start doing this, look at yourself and just observe yourself when you talk to people. Observe yourself when you're on social media and making the comments. Observe yourself. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you commenting on that post about Trump? Why are you commenting on that post about COVID saying, you know, the deaths are high or the deaths are low? Why are you doing that? What's the need that's within you? that's making you want to comment. 
I mean, I catch myself too. I'm like, well, look at this ridiculous comment. I'm going to comment. Then I go, wait a second. Why did I want to comment? Because I want to prove something. Why do I want to prove something? Because I feel like I'm, I might have some knowledge that they, that they don't. And I want to show them. Why? Why? Why do I want to show them? Well, maybe it's a little bit, so I'm feeling a little empty at the moment. Okay, well, let's do something about that. Right? Let's not go out there and make fools of ourselves commenting and saying things and doing things to try to make ourselves feel better. Make yourself feel better for real. Yeah. So that's, that's just, that's just a, like a banal example of how, how you can do it. Before you make a comment, think about it. Why are you doing this for real? Why are you really making this comment? And 99% of all comments on social media are all just to get your frustrations out because you're upset. No one's listening to you at home. You're not the boss at home. Whatever it is. You know, there's all these kind of things that really, really bother people. So they kick it out on others and they try to find the strength that they have and then try to flex it online to show other people how smart or good or strong or whatever they are. So uh, if I'm activating in, okay, so I see a post, I don't agree with it or whatever, and rather than posting and, and being in that space, what are you suggesting I'm do then? You said I'm going to do something about it. Can you give us an example yeah. then, Steve? Well, for, for me, it all starts with learning. What I like to do when I see a post like that and I actually have time to, to, to look at the posts, I will start by engaging that person and seeing where they're coming from. So where, where's this coming from? Where's that comment coming from? Where's the post coming from? And just in a neutral manner, just ask questions. So I could actually learn, like, why did I think the way I did? Why did I react the way I did? Is it because I have a preconceived notion and that's, that's what I'm sticking to? Or is it because I'm conservative and not Democrat or Democrat and not conservative or whatever? And you start peeling back the onion, right? And you say, okay, cool. Okay, they said this, all that. That makes sense. I have no reason to be mad at them because I understand where they're coming from now. You know, so you, you literally start working on these things, you know, piece for piece, onion peel for onion peel, and you're going to start seeing a person inside of you that's just dying to come out. And you know what? A really cool person, too. A person that people will love. Why? Because when you're authentic, when you're true to who you are, and you embrace your identity, and your identity is amplified through your purpose, people will flock to you. Will flock to you. And then if you take heed, and you invest in relational capital, and you elevate those in your life enterprise, you create space with everyone you meet, and you focus on integration of quality of life, um, people want to be with you, no matter what, period. I mean, I, I moved to a small village from Budapest. So Budapest has 1.6 million people, I think, and uh, I moved to a village with 2,000 people. And everyone knows me here within a couple of days because I talk to everybody, I elevate everybody, I say hello, ride, you know, wave at people. And I do that all the time, not because I'm trying to gain something, because I'm investing in my relational capital, in my life enterprise. And what that does is that creates radiant value. And that radiant value goes from me to the person I greet, to their, to their spouse, to their children, to their dog. To, you know, it's just this whole, this whole radiant value. And once you keep this radiant value rolling, that, that ripple effect, it changes not only you, but your community. And let's face it, you want to change global warming, you got to start in your house. you got to start in your community. You want to change the way the attitudes are in the world, you got to start with you. If you want to change politics, you got to start with you, the way you talk about politics, the way you look at politics, the way you're partisan or nonpartisan, whatever it is you are. Everything starts with us. We only have impact in our life directly first. That's where true change comes. Most people want to go out and demonstrate because they want to feel like they're doing something meaningful because their life seems so meaningless. And they're like, what can I do for global warming? You know, what can I do to stop you know, politics, politicians from lying? What can I do in my life? Well, you can do a lot of things in your life personally. Global warming, start recycling, for instance, right? Things like that. You know, it, it don't waste water. You know, <laughs> turn the water off when you shower, it's open. All kinds of things you can do. But people don't take the time to do that. They'd rather hang a shield out or a sign out and say, look at me, I'm doing this. And that makes me feel good because now I'm doing something special. 
I'm and often wondering even uh, where all these people have these times to demonstrate. I said, man, don't, don't you uh, work for a living? I said, man, my head is like, man, I don't have time to hang out there for several days to do it. So well, I get that. Typically, typically, I don't want to say it's always, but typically they're, they're the people who do a job for money. And they'll do it for the minimum amount of time, and they'll make their money, and then they, want, they need purpose because they have nothing else. I don't want to say they have nothing else, but they don't feel purposeful in their life, so they go out and grasp on something that seems like a big purpose, and that is, you know, global warming, Antifa, and all this kind of stuff. You know, they're, everyone's seeking purpose. They're seeking purpose. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking inward and finding what it is, they're going outward, and that's what I'm saying. Our, our world is being programmed to be that way. And that's where this all comes from. That's where this lack of integrity comes from. That's where this lies, that blatant lies are coming from that you see in the news. Just, you know it's fake. They know it's fake, and they're still doing it. And it's because only people are being trained to only look at the outside and hear, believe what you hear, and then the rest doesn't matter. Mm. And I just, I just refuse to be like that. And it's a growing population. I can tell you from personal experience, a growing population of people that aren't playing that game either. Oh, I get it. And, you know, when I wrote my book, The Quest for Purpose, one of the character traits in there is not worry about what other people say. It's easier said than done if you haven't been practicing it. But I couldn't agree more, Stephen, with that. Now, Stephen, if you can believe it, we only have a few minutes left in the show. We're already there. We're just gaining momentum. Uh, so wow. obviously people have to get your book. So if they want to find out about you and where they can connect with you, and then you mentioned that you might even have a, a gift, so we won't put the whole URL. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. How can people find out about you and or get your book, Stephen? Um, they can find out about me, stephen-kuhn.com, um, stephen with a V, dash, K-U-H-N.com. That's my personal website. Then um, the book is, is under humblealphabook.com, simple, simple. And they can get the book there at humblealphabook.com as well. It's a crowdsourcing campaign, crowdfunding campaign that we're doing together with the generosityfeeds.org. And every book that you purchase, 100% of the proceeds go to these children. And each book that you purchase feeds three children. So um, we're pretty proud of that. And, uh, we're pumped to see how many children we can feed. We've hit over 1,000 children now. So, um, you know, we're, we're, looking, we're excited to move forward on this. Great. So, Stephen, what would be some closing points of wisdom for the for the listeners, just to encourage them to realize their potential in life? Beyond what well, you know, I think is relative, but I think it's good tips. And one is that, uh, and this this goes for the leaders out there, is that you can always delegate the task, but then never the responsibility. That's one of my favorite sayings, uh, because responsibility as a, as a leader is always with you. And another one is. When you're a leader, you're a leader 24-7, there's no off time, there's no weekends, you are a leader. And that means that either you are, you have an identity and a purpose as a leader, or you're not a leader. So you can't be a leader on the outside. It's impossible. You've seen them, we've all experienced them, and they're the worst. <laughs> so start honing your humble alpha, finding out your true identity, crystallizing your purpose, and creating certainty. And once you have certainty, you, you have a knowing. You just know the steps that you take are leading you where you're supposed to be going. Therefore, completely detached from the how you're going to get there. Well, Stephen, uh, obviously we've run out of time, but thank you very much for sharing your wisdom, your thoughts, and the content of what you've put together in your book with us today. My absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Well, stay on the line, Stephen. So, Secrets of Success listeners, my encouragement is, is that Stephen has spoken some pretty amazing truth to us today and 
if you missed it, go back, listen to it again, listen to it again, is that you are all that is needed. In other words, you don't have to look externally for the fulfillment. It really comes from inside out, as Stephen has shared with us. So we encourage you that you would make a difference out there. And the best way to do that is with you, not pretending to be somebody else. Now, as always, we thank you for sharing your most valuable commodity, your time with us. So if you like what we're doing, please share, pass it on, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keith. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.